Welcome to Global River Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org. People know him as Stephen, but he's ours. If you guys, if y'all would put up that first picture, first image, there we are. Now, what I'll leave that image there just a minute. So that's Gregory and me, and that's our house in the background because we were getting ready to move him out of state. That's us leaving. And you can see I'm not looking too happy, am I? So what happened was Gregory has high-functioning autism. He was always very high-functioning. His first job ever was at this church. He was offered a job to do sound and media. And then he went to the, we homeschooled him. He went to the community college. Then he went to UNCW, excelled, got a bachelor's in computer science, and then a master's in data science. He's good with patterns and with numbers. And this was during the winter when COVID was really bad and it was hard for him to find a job. But if you've ever used MyChart, the online digital portal that Novant has, it's created by a company named Epic. And Epic recruited him and offered him a great salary with benefits, but the only problem is they're located in Wisconsin. 16 hours by car, You can get there in about five hours with a tight layover by plane. But we had to move him to Wisconsin. And for me, a stretch was going to be if I could move my son to Raleigh. Like, I didn't think my son could live away from us. It was going to be, like, hard to move him to Raleigh or Charlotte. But then we had to move him to Wisconsin. And honestly, I think that was the most miserable week of my life. Now, there were blessings in the midst of it because Wisconsin has great food. Anyone from Wisconsin? They have the best food, the best cheese. And there were highlights, but it was the most miserable week of my life because everyone sees all of Gregory's abilities, but Mama knows. Mamas know where their children struggle. Mamas know, and I felt like I was leaving my defenseless sheep to the ravenous wolves. Now, thank God Madison is a very safe city. I felt very good about him being there, just outside of Madison. But it was a tough week. You know, the the bonds between a parent and a child, I, I believe, are as strong as those nuclear bonds that hold things together. Very strong. Today we're going to talk about a father and a son. 
Abraham and Isaac. Y'all can go ahead and stick that second image up there. There we are on the plane back when we had to wear masks. You know, the father and the son getting ready to go and do something that's hard. We're going to talk about Abraham and Isaac. And we're going to look at the life of Abraham and see which did he value most. I loved the setup this morning, talking about being willing to sacrifice. Like Lisa said, God, if you want me to walk through the cancer journey for your glory, for some reason, I'm willing. I mean, when we can get to that point and say, God, whatever it is, even my own son, then that's when God can use us. Amen? So we're going to look to see which was greater, Abraham's love of the gift, which was the son, or the giver. Which do we love more, the giver or the gift? In the title of my message, we're going to see there are three commands God gave Abraham. Take, go, and sacrifice. So that's the title of my message. So if you will um, turn, go ahead and turn with me to Genesis chapter 12. We're going to be skipping through about 10 chapters in the book of Genesis because that chronicles the story of Abram. He starts as Abraham, Abram, and then he becomes Abraham. I'll explain that. Chronicles their life. So in Genesis 12, 1 through 3, the Lord had said to Abram, go, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. Now, it's not spelled out there, but when you think of nation, you think it's more than just one person. That means peoples. I'm going to make you into a great nation of people. And your father's house, oh, wait, go from, excuse me, and I will bless you. That's important. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you, through you. Then turn over to Abraham 13. Goodness gracious. Okay, let me just take a breather. I'm a little bit off this morning because normally my preparation routine is you know, we get up early, I have my coffee, I make some note cards, 7.30, starting to really, 7, 7.30, prepare my heart because I've prepared the message. And then we leave maybe 8.45, but this morning Brian had to be in the band. So I was washing my hair at 6.45, we left the house at 8, and then I get in here and it looked different. So it just threw me off a little bit. You know, my schedule was off. It looked different. I prepared back in the back. So I'm just a little off. But, well, I was telling the sound guys, last night I had a big pot, a big dish in the oven of roasted vegetables. And I was a little off last night, too, because I also had some sweet potatoes that I was cooking in the air fryer. And I was doing two things at one time. And I start to look around, and I'm thinking, where's my spatula? like my pampered chef spatula that I've had for 25 years. And I pulled open the oven, and there was that handle. You know, it, it had melted. It was like hanging eight inches down. You know, plastic melts at 450 degrees. We learned that last night. Thankfully, it didn't melt into the vegetables just on the pan and on the oven rack, but we, we fixed that. So sometimes I could be a little off. 
<laughs> and I just laugh at it because it's, it's fun. It, that's the joy. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay, so Genesis 13, verse 16. I'm just going to stick to the script. And this is after Abram had departed from his nephew Lot. God says, I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth, so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring would be counted. So this is where God starts talking specifically offspring, descendants in some versions. Then if you flip over to Genesis 15, verses 4, God gets real specific about how he's going to bless Abram. He says, and this is about Isaac, a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. Look up at the sky and count the stars. And if indeed you can count them, so, your, so shall your offspring be. Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. So then Genesis 17, verse 4, this is where God changes his name. God changes his name. You know, sometimes we need a name change to reflect our true identity. My name is Lisa. It comes from Elizabeth, which means consecrated to God. It's an important name to me. Verse 4, this is God speaking. As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you. Oh, I love that. I have made you. That means he was already made a father. And then this man was like pushing, you know, pushing up in age there. I think he was probably maybe 75 or so at this point. I don't know. He was old. Er, I don't want to offend anyone. He was older than me. <laughs> he was older than me. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you. I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. So God changes his name from Abram to Abraham, which in my well, some of the scholars believe it means father of many. I haven't taken Hebrew. I want to take Hebrew. I don't know Hebrew. But it means father of many. Father of many nations. He changed his name. So Abraham and Sarah struggled to have a son in their old age. And after about 25 years of waiting, I went back and looked. Looked at the ages. At this point, Abraham is now around 100. Sarah's around 90. Finally, they have Isaac, their beloved son. Abraham and Sarah have Isaac. This is the one. This is the one through whom the promises will come. Now, there's, there was another son through the maid, Hagar. His name is Ishmael. But this is the one. This is the way that God is going to bless all the nations of the earth, is going to make Abraham a great nation, who's going to have descendants, offspring, like the stars and like the dust. This is the one. It's in Genesis 21. It's when they finally have Isaac. So now we're going to park in Genesis 22. I've given you the 10-chapter backstory in, what, five minutes. Genesis 22, verse 1. Sometime later, 
God tested Abraham. Say that with me. God tested Abraham. It's an important point. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain. I will show you. So God gave three simple, well, they seem simple, simple commands. Sometimes the simple command is a little harder to follow through. They seem simple. Take, go, and sacrifice. Three things God spoke to him. The first command is take. And there's a description of Isaac in verse, let's see, where am I? That's probably verse 2. Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac. A threefold description of Isaac. Your son, your only son. I mean, they had waited for this son for 25 years. He was beloved. And this describes this deep fatherly love that Abraham had for his son. Now, in terms of testing, so when you just think about it for a minute, these are the things you have to equate in your brain because do you think God approved of child sacrifice? No. Later in the law, it's, you know, it's bad. You're not supposed to do it. And here he is telling Abraham to do this. But the setup of the story in verse 1 is God tested. This was a test. God God is not about to tell people to sacrifice their children. This was a test. Um, Deuteronomy 8.2 says, Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. You know, as we were singing this morning that song, Find Me Grateful, Find me thankful. Find me on my knees. My prayer was, God, when you show up, find me humble. Find me humble. Find me made low before you. That's, what, that's where I want to be found. <laughs> that's, that's, some, that's hard. That's hard. But God humbles us and tests us in order to know what's in our hearts, to see whether or not we're going to obey Sometimes I get it right, and sometimes I get it wrong. But hallelujah, we're going to see that Holy Spirit helps us. But God looks to see what's in our hearts. And I was sharing with Carrie this morning. She was just sharing with me. Some, you know, sometimes it's a struggle to get here. But she was obedient. And when we obey God, we're going to see in this story, there's a reward for obedience. There is a reward Not only can we say, oh, I passed the test, hallelujah, God rewards us when we pass the test. Carry pass the test. There are rewards that you will experience for being obedient. And God tests us to see if we're going to hold tightly to the gift or if we're going to give the gift back to the giver and say, it's yours. You do with it whatever you want. And I really feel like this morning... My words, God's words, through this vessel are going to dislodge some things that you're holding on to and you can't let go and they're going to be dislodged. Dislodged. 
Now, sometimes God will give it back, but sometimes God wants to take your story and put his hands on it and his fingerprints and craft it his way. And it looks different than what you thought, but it's his way. It's his way is the best way. So Abraham treasured this son, Isaac. Now, there's two reasons. Well, we're going to... We'll consider two reasons why. First, he's his son. He's his son. He treasured his son. But Abraham also had these promises from God. We saw them there. If you just start in Genesis 12 and every odd chapter or so, 13, 15, 17, promise after promise. Isaac is not only the beloved son, but he's how God is going to fulfill the promises. He's how He's the way. This great nation, these descendants, this offspring, like the stars, like the dust, the blessing of the whole earth, and it's the sun. It's the way God's going to do it. So to sacrifice Isaac not only destroys a son, but destroys a destiny. And sometimes the things God wants us to offer are, are the big, I mean, a son is a big thing. But your long future, your promises God has given you, the things in your heart, those are the things that sometimes we have to give back to him and to surrender. So one of the hardest things that God has ever called me to sacrifice is, is my reputation. Like, like I just want y'all to know, I care what y'all think about me. I'll just be honest. I care. I don't want to care. I don't, I don't want to have any fear of man. I don't want to have any fear of rejection. But sometimes I do. But then what God does is he'll have me stand up here and tell you all my failures. Tell you my struggles. Tell you my weaknesses. And that is so hard because, like, I want y'all to think here. I don't want to fall. I want y'all to think, like, I am this great, powerful woman of God. But y'all, like I am down here on my knees saying, oh, Jesus, if you don't show up, if you don't show up, Jesus is going to be messy and ugly. Like that's who I really am. You know, sometimes just struggling to get here, struggling to get it together, struggling to get the message written. And so, I mean, I want to be that person up there, but God has me come and tell you all the reasons why I'm this person down here. Why? Because a lot of y'all are down there on that floor with me <laughs> saying, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, help me. Jesus, I can't do this. And so that's what God has asked of me is, is my reputation. <laughs> now, that's a sacrifice. And sometimes I'm obedient and I share. Sometimes I keep things to myself. And then sometimes the wisdom of my husband says, that's too much. Now, I want y'all to know today, there is a typo on your handout. I'll tell you about it when we get there. But Brian, like, got his priorities out of order. And he went to Atlanta when I was typing up the handout. He was not there to be my handout editor. And so there's a typo because for business, he had to go out of town. So Brian hasn't proofed the sermon. He hasn't proofed the handout. So he's experiencing this firsthand <laughs> with everybody else. Reputation, what, what people think about us. So what is it? You know, God told Abraham, take, take your son, 
What might God be speaking to you? What is it that God wants you to take and to go and to give to him? I think about Peyton and Julie McKeithen selling everything they own and moving to Costa Rica. Woo, sometimes I don't, you know, I'm thinking, God, not that. Not that. But what is it? It could be something like a son or a daughter that your heart is broken over. Maybe God wants you to take them and put them in his hands. It could be a position, a job that you know in your heart God is saying, it's time to let that go because I have better, but you're too scared. It might be your reputation. Like me, it might be that God wants you to open up and be honest with some people about what you're going through. It might be your status. It might be your car. I don't know what it is for you. It might be ministry. It might be all these dreams you have for ministry. And God's saying, okay, just loosen up your hands. Bring this to me. Now, sometimes, you know, as, as, I, as I ask you, could you give that up? Some of you will already just say yes because I've decided in advance. Some, for some of you, the answer might be, I don't know. I don't know. And I want to tell you, I believe, I believe an I don't know is okay because, first of all, it's honest. God would rather you be honest than lie. And one thing I've taught my son, because we've had this conversation, what if God asked you to sacrifice the hardest thing? Could you do it? And sometimes the answer is, I don't know. But what I taught my son is we can say, by the grace of God, I can. By the grace of God, I can. And the good news is when God comes to us and asks us to give him this thing that is so very precious to us, our time, our talent, our resources, our family, our reputation, our position, our security. Thank God, Holy Spirit lives within us. We are not alone in this decision. It's not just our flesh. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit lives within us to enable us to obey. Sometimes obedience is hard. Y'all know this. But Holy Spirit helps us to do the hard things. And I don't believe there's any mention of Holy Spirit other than in creation, like up to Genesis 22. But we know Holy Spirit, the presence of God, was alive and well on the earth in the Old Testament to the New to this day within us. And it may be that Holy Spirit helped Abraham in this whole process. So God told him to take his son, and then he told him to go to the region of Moriah. Now, Moriah, where this place is, it's, it's disputed by scholars, but some scholars believe that it's actually the Temple Mount because of a reference, I think, in Second Chronicles. So some believe this was actually the Temple Mount is where Mount Moriah was. Now, this is not the first time God has heard go. I'm sorry, that Abram has heard God say go. And the first start of Abram's story in Genesis 12, the first thing is take your family and go to this region I'm going to show you. And here we are again, Genesis 22, go. 
And what I like about the story is we see Abraham has a history of obeying when God says go. You know, the first time we obey, it's hard. But then we start to build some muscles. And the second time we obey, it's just a little easier. It's coming a little more natural. And it gets easier over time. Like I was telling Brian as we drove to church this morning, I just said, I thank God I'm not doing communion today. Because that was hard for me. I don't know why it was so hard, but it was hard. But I knew I had to learn how to do it, and so, okay, I'm going to do it. And every time you obey, you build muscles so that the next time you just step into it and it's more natural. So this pattern, what is it? Um, I'm trying to think of a definition that I heard one time. What is it that faith is like obedience over a long period of time in the same direction? You know, it's continued obedience. It's continued obedience. In Genesis 12, when God said, go, Abraham went. And now in Genesis 22, God says, take and go. Let's see what he does. Genesis 22, verse 3. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. So what's your history of obeying God when he says go? Like I said before, sometimes I've done well. Sometimes I've flunked. I just thank God for his grace that even when we don't do it exactly the right way, sometimes he'll give us a second chance and a third chance and a fourth chance. But God is always at work in us, Philippians 1, 6 says, to make us willing. No, that's wrong. I'm quoting the wrong verse. I'm quoting Philippians 2, 14. This says, uh, correct me, Pastor Tom, work out your salvation with fear and trembling because God is always at work in you to make you willing and able to obey his own purpose. I love that. He's always at work in us to make us willing and able to obey. But some of us tend to procrastinate I don't like phone calls. I really don't like calling somewhere like Spectrum. You know, who likes calling the cable company? Because first you get this phone tree, and then they want you to put in your account number, so you're searching around, you know, you punch in your account number. And then after waiting forever, finally somebody answers, and the first thing they say is, what's your account number? And sometimes I just want to say, I already put it in. Why are you asking me this? You know it. Like, don't waste my time. But I procrastinate phone calls. Like, they have a special color on my spreadsheet. They're purple and in italics, and I dread them. But we do procrastinate. But with Abraham, he did not delay his obedience. It's as early the next morning. He didn't ask Sarah, you know, prepare this great dinner. It's our last evening with our son. Oh, well, we'll do it tomorrow. We'll do it next week. No, early. Early the next morning. He obeys promptly. I believe this is because he had already surrendered his will in advance. 
He had spent time on the floor with his face before the Lord saying, whatever you want, God, it's yours. However you want to do it, God, it's yours. Whatever I have in my hands, God, it's yours. Because, God, I know who you are. I know you keep your word. Last week, Pastor Bishop preached, God honors his word. God honors his name. Abraham knew the character of God. God was testing Abraham's character. Through it all, they came to know each other better. But I believe he had surrendered in advance. But I also believe Abraham is human. I was speaking to someone the other day who has been through a very long health battle. And y'all, when I pray for this person, I just agree with their faith. Because their faith is this. I agree with their faith for healing because I know that they know that they know God is going to heal them. They've got the greatest faith, maybe second to Bishop, but they have amazing faith. Like, I want to be like them when I grow up. But they shared with me they had had a dark night of the soul where they wrestled, where they wrestled. Am I going to believe God or not? We don't know. We don't have a lot of details of how Abraham is feeling through all this. But I think because he's human like us, sometimes doubt creeps in. Sometimes we feel despair, maybe dread, despondency, depression, doubt. We know what God has said, but we don't know how. And that's, we struggle with control. We want to control the how. And that's where we struggle to surrender. It's like the death of his dreams. It could feel like the death of his dreams and God's promises. This journey from where Abraham was, Beersheba, to Moriah, three days. Can you imagine this journey? I mean, it was not something that he that got over quickly. It was a long journey. Abraham had a long time to think about this. He had a long time to decide, am I going to trust God or doubt? He had a long time to think, well, we could turn back around. We could go back home. He had a long time, three days, to contemplate, am I going to cherish the giver or the gift? Three days. And I believe it's only, this is a term I use, sheer obedience. Just flat, sheer obedience is the only way that they made it to Moriah. Only through sheer obedience that he followed through. Because a lot of times we make rash promises to God. But then we don't have that sheer obedience to follow through. In the New Testament, there's a, a Greek word. It's perseverance. And I love that word because when you study it, it means to stay in place. Like to not fall back, to not get ahead, to not fall away to the right or the left, but just to stay in place. And sometimes God is calling you to persevere, which for you means just, just, just hold your ground. Just hold your ground. Stand there. Don't give up. Don't give in. Don't fall back. Don't quit. Just stand. Even though it's hard and you're tired and you don't know why, just hold your ground. Hold your ground. Persevere. Keep your eyes on Jesus as long as the disciples as long as Peter had his eyes on Jesus, he could walk on water. But when he looked at his circumstances and his situation, he couldn't. 
So Abraham and Isaac arrive at Mount Moriah, and then they climb the mountain together. And we see such a beautiful picture of, of Isaac's trust. There's a conversation in verses 6 through 8. It says, Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father? Yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And then the two of them went on together. God himself will provide. Not just God will provide, but God himself will provide. Abraham is saying to his son, you know, the issue about the lamb, it's not my problem. It's not your problem. That's God's problem. That's God's problem. That thing that you care about, it's not your problem. It's not their problem. It's God's problem. God himself, God himself, let that hit you in the it's hitting me in my belly. God himself will provide. Not an angel, not an assistant, not a messenger. No, God himself. God himself. For you, God himself will provide. He pointed to God. It's God's problem. So they just continued on up the mountain. You know, once again, we have an opportunity for Abraham to say, this is too hard. When our children were little, my daughter Hannah is kind of like me. She's never enjoyed exercise. Like, I don't enjoy exercise. Gregory could just go and go and go. How many of you walked in the um, Army of the Lord parade? Way, way back. Army of the Lord. We had those T-shirts that said Army of the Lord. My son Gregory was maybe five, six. He walked the whole route. Brian pushed Hannah in the stroller. And Gregory even fell down but kept going. We were hiking at Mount Kennesaw, and kind of a similar situation happened. Hannah made it up, what, a fifth of the way, a third of the way, a fourth of the way? And she was like, no, I'm not doing this. So Gregory and I hiked to the top of Mount Kennesaw while Brian drove Hannah to the top. <laughs> it's true, she's like me in that way. You know, sometimes we, we we try. I think that's why so many people fall away from the Lord. They start out so well. I mean, Abraham, he did the first command. He took his son. He said, okay, I'm, this is my son. He got up early. And then he went to Moriah. He made it all the way, three-day journey to the mountain. And then they're hiking up the mountain for the sacrifice. And some of us get so far. And then we fall away. We get distracted. We, we, we just say it's too hard. This, oh, this is a good one. This isn't God's will. This is too hard. This is clearly not God's will for my life because this is this hard. God would not want this for me. Whew, I'm preaching to myself today. But again, we see Abraham, even Isaac, could have said no. No. But he trusted his father. They both went on together. So how are we doing when trust, in trusting God 
when that outcome is uncertain. It's tough being a kid. <laughs> yeah, I do too. I like that one. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that a lot. So how are we doing when the outcome is uncertain? Do we obey for a little while and then just say, this is too hard? I can't do this. Philippians 3.14, this is on your handout. This is Paul writing. He, he writes, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. We press on. So the third command was sacrifice. Abraham may have wondered, can I really follow through? Can I do that? Genesis 22:9 says, when they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Can you imagine the turmoil going on inside Abraham? I can't imagine that. I'm sure there was a war between faith and doubt because there's a God who speaks and a devil who makes us doubt what God says. Did God really say? Did God really say? Is God really good? Is God really in control? Is God really going to bless you? What is that? And he's mocking us, yes, making fun of us for trusting in God. Did God really say? Verse 10 says, Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. He went through all the way to that point. And then he heard that Abraham hears his name, Abraham, Abraham. And the angel of the Lord was calling out to him. And the angel said, do not lay a hand on the boy. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God. Because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. And at that point, Abraham looks up to see a ram caught in the thicket and sacrifices the ram rather than Isaac. I'm going to grab my Bible because I'm missing one verse. Thank you, honey. Oh, good. It's even turned to the right place. Yeah, this is the good part. Verse 14. And Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide, Jehovah-Jireh. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it will be provided. So God, remember Abraham said God himself will provide. It's God's problem. And we see that the character of God shines through, that God is a provider. God did provide what was needed. So God is glorified as the provider. But the angel said to Abraham, now I know. 
Because Abraham was willing to give up what was most precious to him. God knew that Abraham feared him. And sometimes the decision to offer the sacrifice, that decision in our heart that says, God, no matter what you say, I will do. Sometimes that is just as important as actually doing it. That position of your heart, that pliableness in God's hands, that willingness to bend and move and flow and change your plans and go in a different direction because God has said that is precious to him. That posture of a surrendered heart, that's what God is looking for. A surrendered heart, his eyes roam to and fro throughout the whole earth so that he can strengthen those whose hearts are wholly devoted to him. He's looking for the one whose heart is devoted to him. Now, this is easy to preach. It's easier to preach than it might be for what you're walk, walking through. What you're walking through may feel really hard. And as I contemplate my future, I wonder, okay, God, can I really do what you want me to do? I'm at this position where I'm being ordained in about 10 days. And I'm finishing my degree next year, finally. It was the six-year plan for a master's. And people are saying, well, what are you going to do next? And y'all, honestly, I just want to, like, keep doing what I've been doing. <laughs> like, God, can I, just, can I just, you know, be Brian's wife and take care of my family and go to the mountains and go to Wisconsin and go to Aiken and see my daughter and just preach every now and then like this? I mean, it's been hard. I've been in seminary and learning Spanish, so I don't want y'all to think I've just been sitting home and eating bonbons, okay? But y'all, I, I like this. And as I'm looking towards the future, I'm thinking, okay, God, what's going to change? And am I willing to give you my freedom? Am I willing to give you my time? Am I willing to give up my jammy days? Am I willing to be around people all the time? Am I willing? Am I willing? And sometimes I have to say, I don't know. I don't know. And sometimes I have to say, God, please don't make me a senior pastor. Like, I'll do about anything but be a senior pastor. Kudos to Pastor Tom. People ask me that. Are you going to pastor a church? Lord, no, I pray not. But, you know, we have to watch what we say. <laughs> Famous last words. But, no, I have, ze I have zero desire. But God wants us to surrender to him. And, and this is where I'm struggling and where you struggle too. To surrender our time, our comfort, our reputation, our family, our position, our prosperity, our house, our clothes, our cars, our giftings, our vision for our ministry. That's what, that's what God wants for us, from us. It's not to hold it so tightly in our hands. But when we give it to him, he creates beautiful things. He creates beautiful things. When we do this, God looks upon us and knows that we truly reverence and honor him. And even Jesus was our example in this because when he just had hours left to live, in Luke twenty-two forty-two, he says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. I don't want to do this, but 
yet not my will, but yours be done. And then God adds the blessings to Abraham because of his obedience. Um, Genesis 22, starting with, is that right? 15. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, God knew how valuable that son, that only son was to Abraham. He says, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashores. Now that part we already knew. He had already said that, but he adds to the blessing. He says, your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. And through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. So God adds to the promise. First of all, he, he swears by himself. He could think of nothing greater to swear by, so God swears by himself. He swears on his own character, his own honor, his own integrity. This was a divine guarantee that God would do what he said. He would bring those promises to pass. And then God added to the promises and it's true, through, through Abraham and through Isaac, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And we're part of that blessing because Jesus came through that line. So flip over to the New Testament to Hebrews 11, verses 17. Abraham makes it into the hall of faith. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. So even in the back of Abraham's mind, he reasoned, if I have to slay my son, God can raise him back up. Isn't that amazing? Even if I have to slay my son, God can raise him back up. Can I borrow your handout, please? Or Brian, can you bring me yours, honey? Can you bring me ours? Oh, you're sitting on it. <laughs> oh, goodness. I told y'all I was a little off today. There we go. Thank you. Because I want y'all to have yours. Because I've got some questions for you. There we go. So what we've learned today is God speaks to Abraham for the first time when he was Abram in Genesis 12. And he speaks to him again in Genesis 22. And these things are the, like the bookends of Abraham's story in Genesis. The first time God spoke to him was to go to the land of Canaan. The last time we see God speaking to him was take your son, your only son, go and sacrifice. In both of these events, Abraham obeyed. 
But not only did Abraham obey, but we see he did it promptly. He followed through all the way. He didn't talk back. Is that what we're hearing over here? He didn't argue. I've argued with God. Anything but that, Lord. I'll do anything but that. But he followed through. He went all the way. He didn't stop during that three-day journey and go back. He didn't. He made it to the base of the mountain. He didn't stop in the arduous hike up. I mean, that was a physical struggle, an emotional struggle. But he went all the way carrying the wood. They had the wood, the fire, and the knife. He went all the way. So for you in the handout, I I want you to just take a minute think about what do you value more than anything and there's three blanks there and I want you to to write down at least one thing but I'm going to give you a about a minute to think about it and ask the Lord to help you you may not even recognize it what you value more than anything you don't have a pen, you can make notes in your phone. And then I want us to take just a minute and pray. Some of these things are going to be on the God I surrender line. As we pray, some you're going to be able to pray, God, I surrender. And some are going to be, God, help me to surrender. So I'm just going to lead us in, in prayer. Father, I surrender. And now I want you to name those things you can surrender. God, we just acknowledge you as the giver, more important than the gift. God, we give back to you those things you've given to us, our family members, our children, our comforts, our reputation, your provision, our relationships, reputation, Ministry, calling, jobs, houses, cars, everything you've given to us, God, we, (laughs) it's even hard for me to say it, we give it back to you. God, there are some things that, that we need to just honestly say, God, that's too hard, not that. But God, you can handle our honesty, you can handle our weakness, our frailty, 
And so, God, we just say, help me. Help me. Help me to make the three-day journey. Help me to hike up the mountain. Help me to be in the process, to stay in the process, to be on the journey with you and not to turn back, not to give up, not to say it's too hard, not that. Help us to surrender those things, God. God, help me to surrender my time, my comforts. God, help us. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're always at work in us to make us willing and able to obey. Willing. Willing is one part, but able, able to obey. We thank you, Holy Spirit. So you can write on your handout there which things you, you could surrender. Real honestly, which things are in that other category help me to surrender. And then lastly, I just want to ask, is there something God has told you to do, but you're procrastinating? You're putting it off. You know you're supposed to do it, but you're putting it off. I do a lot of procrastination. I do it. What I want you to do, you know, as I've learned in ministry, there's, I mean, I don't know where I'm going. I'm like a person walking blindfolded, but I'm holding Jesus' hand, and I'm taking baby steps of obedience, just baby steps, baby steps, baby steps. I want you to write down what is your first baby step of obedience that you need to take this week. Getting up early. It can, be, it can be something like that. It can be calling that person that you need to reconcile with, that God's been saying you need to reconcile with them. It could be forgiving someone. It could be having a conversation. It could be enrolling for school, like when God told me to learn seminary, go to seminary. It could be, for me, God said learn Spanish. I learned something really cool Friday night. If you go to Barnes & Noble, there's a whole section that says Libros and Espanol. And if you hang out there for a little while, you can find people to speak Spanish too. I was like, wow, this is great. And then not only, I, I, bought, I bought a Libro in Espanol. I bought one. But there are things God has been telling you to do. What's your first step? And are you going to do it? Write it down. Write it down. And then tell somebody, this week I'm going to blank. Ask me about it. I tell you, accountability will drive obedience. Accountability will drive obedience. When you say on Friday, ask me if I did this. That'll drive obedience. There are things God wants us to do. You know, our example was the Father God who gave up his son, his only son, whom he loved for us. Romans 8.32 says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. And so I want to ask you, if there's any one of you who have not made that great exchange with the Father God, Jesus we were born into sin. We're sinners, and because we're sinners, there's a punishment for us, which is death. 
But God made a way for us to be reconciled with him, for our sins to be forgiven, for us to be made new. There may be a life you're living that you don't want to live, and you're thinking, I can't escape this. But you can. God gave his son so that you could live a different way, so that you could act differently, speak differently, do the things you want to do instead of those things you don't want to do. God gave his son the same way Abraham was willing to sacrifice his son. God went through for it. Why? For you. For you. Because God wants us to have a relationship with him. Even if we're, like when we were sinners is when God sent his son. So I've heard it asked two or three times this morning that if you haven't accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that today's the day. Today's the day. And can I go ahead and call the ministry team up? If you're on the ministry team, if you'll come up. So, twofold instructions for us. First of all, if you have never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, all of these people standing up front are trained to help you pray that prayer today, now, before you leave to ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior and to settle that with God. And then secondly, on your handout, if you wrote a God help me to surrender or a baby step of obedience that you need to take this week, I just want to invite you to come and say, this is what I'm struggling to surrender. Will you pray with me? Or say, this is the step of obedience I need to take. I just need to say it to somebody. Because God doesn't want you to leave today the same way that you came in. There are things that are in your hands that you just need to let go of. And God will hold them for you. God will hold them for you. So, Father, we just thank you for the example of Abraham, God. You knew that he loved you. We, God, we want to love you. But the way you knew that Abraham feared you was because he passed the test. And God, we just ask for your help, God. There are things we can surrender. God, help us to surrender the other things. Help us to walk in obedience. God, I thank you. I just declare for everyone that obeys, there are blessings that follow. I just speak blessings over each person this week that takes that step of obedience. I speak blessings today on every person that has surrendered to God what's most valuable to them. God, I just declare that your plan for them is better than what they believe the plan is. God, your plan is better than theirs. And God, I just speak forth your blessings. I thank you, Lord, that when we obey, there's a promise of blessings. In Jesus' name, amen.